gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1559. Glory to you, St. Mark, chapter 5, 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, people, Crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. 
and he gave strict orders not to tell anyone about what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Do you know anyone on earth that can heal the sick or raise the dead? So if I said, Jesus healed the sick, healed the sick, can I get an amen? Jesus raised the dead, can I get an amen? Jesus' love and mercy is what changes lives. Can I get an Amen. Thank you very much. See you next Sunday. In a nutshell, that's it. No other name than Jesus can heal. No other name can we declare his righteousness upon us than Jesus. No other way can we get to the Father than through Jesus. The interesting thing that we see here is that um, the beginning of our readings admonish us to take hold of is that the, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. His mercies are new every morning. That was in Leviticus. And then we hear from the psalm, that you have brought my soul up from Sheol. Sheol, Sheol, that's, that's Hades, that's hell. That's the Greek underworld is, is Hades. It it's personifies evil. And the psalmist says, you brought me up from Sheol. Who else but Jesus can bring a soul out of hell or save a soul from hell. Anyone? No. So the conclusion is, is that we need Jesus. Amen? Jesus is our portion. Jesus has done everything that needed to be done on the cross. That's why at this church we preach Christ and him crucified. Nothing more, nothing less. What do I need to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Is there anything I can do other than to repent and be baptized and just believe to be saved? No? Amen. And yet, in our flesh, we think there are things that we must do we see that the Pharisees created all kinds of laws and it actually inhibited people from coming to the precious side of Christ. In our gospel this morning, it's reported that there was this woman that had been had a, a, a uterine hemorrhage for 12 years. Notice also the little girl was 12 years old. 
But for 12 years, this woman went to the doctors and spent everything that she had. Does that sound familiar? And yet, she suffered for 12 years. Now, the astonishing thing about that is that she's out, that she had such faith. But do you know that by the law of the Pharisees at that time, she was unclean? And that she had no business being around people during that time. And it appears that everyone knew who she was and what she was afflicted with, and yet she still came. Law. Law kept this woman from coming to him. In fact, sometimes we can have our own laws on ourselves. Oh, I can't go there. I'm much too sick. I can't bother them. I can't bother Jesus for something like this. She didn't do it. She was bold. She had heard about Jesus. She had heard about the miracles. And she came, and she had such faith that if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. Now, the way that it is recorded for us might lend us to think that Jesus was just kind of cruising along when, hey, did someone touch me? Well, we know that that's not the way it is. He foresaw her coming to him, I'm certain. And she felt, and he felt immediately power go from him. Interesting this, too. Her faith made her well. She had faith that if she touched his garment, that it would come, his healing would come. So we need faith. We have faith. It's a gift that meant no one may boast, right? Given to us in our baptism, faith. So Jesus turned and said, who touched me? Isn't that great? The disciples are like, you know, I picture them as a couple of kind of sometimes knuckleheadish, you know, and they're like, well, duh. I mean, look at all these people. People are bumping into you all over the place. It's kind of like going to Costco or the fair or something like that. You know, if you don't like people bumping into you, don't get on a, an elevator. It just happens. And so these guys are just so simple and so in the here and the now that they didn't get the bigger picture. And Jesus still looked. And here's this woman, and she's trembling. Uh-oh, the jig is up. I got caught. So she goes to this man, not just a man, a rabbi, a teacher. Remember, she shouldn't have even been in public. She was unclean by uh, Mosaic law, you know, unclean. And she touched a rabbi. Whoa. Yeah, huh? <laughs> you naughty girl. And yet Jesus didn't condemn her. He lovingly said, your faith has made you well. That's not the end of the story, I'm sure, but we don't hear about her after that. Don't you think that must have been a powerful witness? I mean, there's some people in this church right now that have survived catastrophic illnesses and accidents and things like that. What a powerful witness to God's faith. Looking at you, Randy. You know, looking at me. Um, several of us have really the Lord has blessed us and, and given us what powerful witness. I wonder what that woman would have said. Again, it's not like they didn't know who she was. Now she's not afflicted. It was Jesus. I mean, I wonder if she was a real powerful evangelist. She didn't, write, didn't have any books about her, but wow, that's a nice person to have on your crew. Remember we were talking about that, you know, our crew last week that we're all rowing along together. Boy, what a powerful witness to the love of Christ. You need Jesus, I need Jesus, she found Jesus, and he delivered, healed her, healed her. And then 
we have the point where we go to the little child of Jairus. And, and it's interesting that Jesus at this time didn't say, go, your faith has healed your son like he did you know, to the centurion, right? He says, well, I'm a man of power and I see you are too. And No, he took, he took compassion on this man and it was important that he went. And he comes in and he says, wake up, baby girl. And she does. And they were astonished. There's another part of that story too. Did you hear the part where people laughed at him? Man, how humble Jesus was. I think I would have been doing the strut. Yeah. Huh? No, he doesn't do that. He's humble. He's loving. He comes at the exact right time, and he does the exact right thing for those who wait on him. He is good. His mercies are new every morning. He is the healer. It's us in our flesh that gets in the way of his, of, you know, you're late. Where are you, Lord? You ever asked that? I have. Where are you in this? His timing's perfect, and he's always there. Doesn't feel like you're here. Well, he heals and a prayer that, that some of you may have prayed, and I have too, and that is that, Lord, heal, either temporarily here on earth or forever in heaven, and help me accept your will. Oh, those who believe will be healed perfectly one day. One day. Now, in the three years that I have been here, I have never once given a, um, a sermon on tithing <laughs> or offering stewardship. And there's a good reason for it, because I can remember coming back to the church as a young father, young married man. The first time I heard it, I just really didn't get it. And I actually took offense. I said, oh, man, God's broke again. You know, I didn't get it. And then further, I heard some pastors say, you know, um, we've got a money problem. And then he says, no, actually, we don't have a problem. There's plenty of money. The problem, or we don't have a money problem. There's plenty of money. The problem is it's still in your pocket. And I went, ooh, not even close. <laughs> you know, I just didn't get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he is not beating on the old Adam. Like saying, we don't have a problem with money. The problem is it's still in your pocket. And then you somehow might go, ooh. And, oh, okay, you know, I'm so bad, bad, bad. You know, and then you do it that way. That, that's not what Paul does. Paul talks about the Macedonians who were poor. I mean, poor. And they gave all that they could give. And yet, we are told, they gave more than they were able. In order to, they were joyfully feeding those that could not feed themselves, that were either from persecution or from starvation, from famine, and so forth. These people were a model witness for it. Their little trickle down was like, well... At the beginning of our service today, I mentioned that that $200 in a month, those bottles that you bring in, that paper that you bring in, that Miss Jackie and others faithfully bring there, 
in a period of time equal $26,067. No, $26,067. That little bit, that's, that's a chunk of change, my beloved sister in Christ. That's all of you coming together and putting that in there. So, no, he wasn't beating on the old Adam of the Corinthians saying, look where you live. You got it all. You got businesses. You got everything coming. You know, you started a good work, he said, but finish it. He wasn't beating on him. He was saying, hey, look, Christ is good to those who wait. Christ raised the dead. Christ heals the sick. Think about that. Christ died on that cross. He became poor. He was rich, is rich. He became poor and came down to pay for your debt and my debt. And then he puts that hook in there that all of those good uh, people would know, and that was the reference to the manna. For those that gathered much and those that gathered little, there was equality in it. And you remember the manna, it would fell every night, right? And what happened if you gathered too much and you didn't eat it? It rotted. You didn't gather more than you, eat, you could eat because it would rot. It was, he's like, take enough. So people would gather a lot, not out of greed. They would gather a lot because there were some that were sick that couldn't go out and gather. And so they would gather a lot and they would give to those that couldn't gather. Think about the people that we know that couldn't go outside and get the mail, let alone scrape up bread from heaven. And he's saying that is the model that was given to us by God, that everyone would have plenty because of his provision. The same thing holds true with our time's talents. So some gather a lot and some gather little and others can gather none at all and what he's saying is give out of your abundance so that none go without so i'm not going to say to you what i've said two two times before i'm going to say this and i mean it what we give is between us and god Which what we give is between us and God. And, and, and you know how you're doing. Well, that's kind of heavy, Pastor Ken. If I tithe less than 10%, well, tithe is 10%. If I'm not a generous giver, does that keep me from going to heaven? No. No. Is there going to be an Excel spreadsheet in heaven when I come up there and, you know, they're going to look at my pattern of giving, regular or irregular or whatever? Is that, is that going to, you know, is that going to make a difference? No. Hi, I'm Pastor Ken. How are you? Oh, well, nice to meet you. Does God grade on the curve? No. So if, it's, if we preach Christ and him crucified, is that enough? Right. Is it sufficient? Is, is, is your baptism sufficient 
for receiving the Holy Spirit? Did you receive forgiveness of sins and salvation through your baptism? Yeah, according to what Christ said, repent and be baptized. We were dead, according to Paul says, we died, the old Adam was killed, and the new Adam came up, and we are a new creation clothed in Christ in his righteousness, not ours. In his righteousness, not ours. In his payment, not ours. And here's Jesus here again today. We will meet him right here. This isn't dependent on how much you put in the plate, is it? You receiving grace through this sacrament? No. It's given to you freely, to all who should believe. There isn't a, there isn't a secret code. There isn't a, a spreadsheet or a tally or a, or, or a weight thing on this. We know that. It's all been set straight because of what he did on that cross. And this is a deposit. This is a foretaste of the healing and the sight and the everlasting life that we will have in heaven. This is we do in remembrance of him and his promises. Did it cost us anything? No, not anymore than a beggar who was given a meal, and not any more participation than him holding out his hand and taking the food. It was given to us freely. So, we need Jesus, amen? We know that Jesus did and does a lot for us, amen? Here's Jesus, and in a minute, we're going to come up, and we're going to have communion with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.